Seinfeld, Friends, Will and Grace, Frasier. What do they all have in common? They were must-see TV. NBC banked on a huge segment of the American public committing a couple of hours to watching their favorite sitcoms every Thursday night. Before TiVo and long before Hulu, if you didn't catch it live, you had to press your luck on catching a rerun. Now, appointment television is all but a thing of the past. You can catch Game of Thrones, This Is Us, or The Great British Baking Show whenever you have time. You might need to shield your eyes from the pop culture hot takes, but the show will be waiting for you when you're ready. But there is one place where appointment TV is still a thing, and that's live video broadcasting. Think Instagram Live, Facebook Live, and YouTube Live. You can catch your favorite brands, celebrities, influencers, and entertainers streaming up close and personal. Plus, you can hang out with other fans, ask questions, and suggest topics. Live video broadcasting isn't just for entertainers, though. Small business owners and emerging creators are using it for big business results. In fact, by 2021, live video is projected to be a $70 billion industry. You're listening to What Works, a show about how a new movement of entrepreneurs are making their small businesses work. And I'm your host, Tara McMullen. On this special episode, we're talking live video and how it's working for small business owners today as they build audiences, nurture relationships, and drive revenue. Now, I know no one better to talk with about the opportunities in live video than the founder and CEO of Crowdcast, Sai Hossein. I've been using Crowdcast for over two years now as my own company has explored live video. And as you'll see, I'm a huge fan. Sai and I chat about what he saw as the opportunity for creators and entrepreneurs that led him to create Crowdcast, how live video has evolved since the company started, how small business owners are generating leads with live video, and the two key ways small business owners are using live video to drive revenue. Plus, Sai gives us the inside scoop on some features coming soon to Crowdcast and how Crowdcast for Activism is helping movement makers make a real difference. This interview is the second in a series of shows we're doing on software platforms small business owners use to power their businesses. We want to introduce you to new apps and help you use the apps you already have more effectively and efficiently. Now, if you decide to give Crowdcast a try, you can help support the podcast by going to cocommercial.co slash Crowdcast. That's cocommercial.co slash Crowdcast. Now, let's find out what works in live video broadcasting. Sai Jose, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. All right. So as you know, I have been a huge fan of Crowdcast since the moment I discovered it. Um, for me at the time, it met so many needs in such a thoughtful way that really no other piece of software, no other app was meeting for me at the time. Um, and so that's always kind of made me curious what your thinking was when you started building the product. How did Crowdcast come to be? Yeah, uh, it's it's a, it's a really good question. I mean, if, if you look at it, you'd think that, you know, we wanted to first solve like the typical sales webinar problem as most webinar folks uh, start with. Um, we actually approached it from a different world. I, I haven't, I wasn't doing webinars before. And I I mean, the, the, the short version of a very long story is that I was in a retreat in Costa Rica and was just surrounded by these amazing individuals um, who were teachers in different aspects of life. And I just wanted to help them share their knowledge, you know, and, and, and and was looking for ways to do that. And in the process, got exposed to webinar software and holding live online classes and that whole world and kind of just realized, wow, this is really outdated. 
And mm-hmm. my background is that I'm a I'm a designer and developer, but you know, like design is my my core my core strength. And so, I was just like, hey, how can I create a new live video experience that is really focused on conversation? Is really focused on allowing people uh, who perhaps aren't sales folks or marketing folks just to gather. A, a class, a group of people, their community together to host conversations. So, because of that, you know, we ended up doing a lot of things differently that you, you know, you've probably seen. Yeah, I mean, it makes complete sense that that's sort of the genesis of the product for me because that was also my experience coming from the world of webinar software. Was that why is this stuff so outdated? Why is it so difficult to use? Why is it so ugly? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And so finding Crowdcast was such a revelation for us. Um, So I'm also curious how live video has evolved since you initially created Crowdcast because live video is hot, 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 and it's been hot, hot, hot for a few years now. Um, And so there's been a lot of changes. What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, honestly, live video video is is starting to catch up with what we've seen for a while now. our, our sort of investor pitch about four years ago was that, hey, you know, we know that the world of live streaming is going to start merging with the world of webinars, and I was trying to explain it, you know, to a lot of folks like what that what the difference was around how live streaming is really around like social audience building. It's mostly one way, mainly due to the technology limits. It's mostly in the browsers, designed for a fun experience. Whereas the webinar world is for enterprise companies, it's designed for lead generation and collecting emails and analytics and CRM integration, you know. And we're, we were seeing two big things. One, that as technology evolves, you know, it's going to be kind of merging. These worlds are going to be merging. So we want to be at the center of that technological transition. Uh, and the other part is that we were noticing that the way that businesses was created, and and you know this more than almost anyone else out there, is that (laughs) they're shifting from big companies to just individuals and creators starting to be their own business. And so we knew that from from way back then that we wanted to build a tool that served um, more the individual solopreneur creator type of a, you know, business um, that would still need, you know, the social features while needing some of those business features. So, um, it was at the beginning hard to sort of convince others, I, I would say, because it was such a new idea. But we have seen that, you know, that transition happening, especially with companies like Patreon, um, sort of uh, evangelizing or or popularizing this concept of a creator. So now that Facebook has creators and YouTube has creators and everyone's got creators, you know. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of, you know, what we've seen as like that transition. Gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. All right. Let's get into kind of the nitty gritty behind how small business owners are using Crowdcast today. Um, One way that I've used Crowdcast and continue to do so is to generate really great leads. People who, you know, just as you were describing, are not only showing up for content and learning, but who are showing up, you know, because of my personality or my company's personality or to have fun, to meet the other people that are there live mm-hmm. as well. Um, what have you noticed working really well for people building an audience and generating leads on Crowdcast today? Yeah, it's it's a really big question that a lot of people are approaching it from different angles. Um, overall, the way that we sort of break it down internally is uh, two parts. One is audience building stuff (laughs) and the other is monetization stuff okay and typically people coming from directly the webinar world they just jump straight into the monetization piece they're like hey i'm going to do an event that's focused around 
pitching my web course, or online course, and at the end of it, I'm going to try to drive, you know, using the CTA, drive people to that course. Um, and, you know, it's it's a popular way of doing things. And, you know, a lot, of course, a lot of folks do that, and, and you should at some point. But what we're starting to notice is that more and more folks start focusing on the audience building first, which is more around interviews, content creation, giving away free free stuff and free value up front, and then doing a sell towards you know a later date, you know. So um, with that, people can focus on, and you know, I'm sure you've seen like this is the transition that. Uh, email marketing software has also gone down, you know, with mm-hmm. drip marketing and things like that, where you want to focus on providing, you know, value and nurturing your audience and 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 gaining their trust and proving that you you know what you're talking about before you end up trying to sell something to them. So that's generally what we found to be a better strategy and and, and more of a long term strategy um, for building like an online business these days. Gotcha. Are there any examples that you can share of some of the folks on Crowdcast doing a really good job of that audience building piece? Oh, man. I mean, obviously you. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and, and, and I generally mean that. I mean, uh, th- there's a lot of folks out there that are just really authentic. Like Lauren Hooker is a really great example. Um, Laura Casey is another great example. Uh, and then people in the technical world, uh, like um, like Webflow, actually, is a really great example. They're, they're a big startup. And, you know, they're, they're hosting workshops, sort of teaching folks how to better use their platform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, they are a business, so they're able to capture that email at the same time uh, and eventually upsell them down the road. So we are seeing sort of a mix of uh, creators, individual solopreneurs to startups that are focused on creating content uh, and value up front before, uh, you know, before trying to sell them. Gotcha. And is it a, is it, are you mostly seeing like teaching or are there people doing more like talk show formats or, you know, fun, fun recurring shows? Like, I guess, I, I guess my, my curiosity is around sort of where Crowdcast falls in, uh, in the sort of the whole live video ecosystem right now, or even the video ecosystem mm-hmm. in general. That's a question you know, that like, we ask ourselves every day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, because I mean, like my husband and I watch um, like silly shows on YouTube like every day, like Good Mythical Morning, right? Mm -hmm. We love that show. And sure, those guys make lots of money, but they make lots of money very differently than I make money, right? Yeah. And and they are creating content in an incredibly different way. And, and I think we're seeing even different things going on on Facebook where people are creating, um, again, shows that are happening on a regular basis. What are you kind of seeing or where is Crowdcast kind of falling in that mix? It's a, it's a really good question. And right now, I mean, so much is up in the air and changing. Um, what we generally want to focus on and, and, and are seeing to be the most valuable place to focus on is in this sort of realm of informational and educational content. Um, so you end up getting live shows like Social Media Examiner, Teslanomics, uh, E4 Electric. These are all different weekly shows that are on Crowdcast, but they're news shows. You know, they're, they're teaching you like what's what's the latest going on in social in the social media world, what's the latest that's going on in the Tesla and, and electric car world, you know. Uh, that's like one general category of, you know, live shows, but specifically focused on teaching and news. Um, and then you could also kind of bundle in, you know, the folks who are doing 
weekly interview series or monthly interview series or talk show format stuff into that as well. It's it, we do see some folks who are more like in the entertainment space, like pure entertainment, mm-hmm. but it's just not as common. And they typically are you know better suited to use YouTube Live, for example, because that, that's going to be more successful there. But those mm-hmm. same entertainers need a way to then engage their audience and actually have like a hangout to do community building, right? Mm. And then they're using Crowdcast for that. So be, so we, we have this deep integration with Patreon, for example. And Patreon's full of YouTube creators, you know, so many different types of YouTube creators. A lot of them are musicians, you know. Uh, a great example is Kina Granis. You know, she was on that. Uh, she, she, she's the person who sang at the end of the movie, uh, Crazy Rich Agents. Um, okay. And she, uh, she has this amazing community uh, on Patreon, so she has videos on YouTube. But every month, uh, every month, like like perfectly every month, she just hosted these uh, coffee dates. You know, where she'll get onto Crowdcast with her patron community and just hang out. You know, and sometimes she'll do concerts. You know, um, and so it, it's really around like community building. So you still get those types of folks, but doing a little bit different things on Crowdcast as opposed to on social media, which I think pure entertainment content performs better there. Yeah, that is such a great example. And I think it really gives people an idea of, you know, it's of Crowdcast not just being a webinar tool, right? Um, because I know- Yeah, we, I, I know, we try to like, kill the word webinar. You know, we're, yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah, good. We're, we're, I love that. Yeah. I mean, we want to teach people that, you know, yes, you can do webinars if that's what you're familiar with. But you these days, you know, you can do so much more. I, like the one other thing I'll just add real quick is that, you know, we feel that this is the first time, you know, we, we've had- in the past, news shows and national media having the power of broadcasting themselves and their ideas to the whole country, right? Um, and this is the first time now individuals like yourself can broadcast your ideas and gather your community at a scale that's never been possible before, you know? And so it, it, it allows for a new type of, uh, a new scale in which you can share your ideas and have a conversation. So that's that's what's really exciting and that's what we're really focusing on. And so far it seems no one's no one else is really doing that. You know, everyone else is really focused on pure marketing or pure sales or on the other end pure entertainment. Yeah, cool. Okay, so this leads pretty beautifully into my next question, which is really kind of um, the focus that you've put on Crowdcast as a broadcasting tool, not as you said, not a webinar tool, um, not a not necessarily a you know a social network for videos like YouTube might be, um, but instead, uh, almost like um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tool that lets you broadcast into all these other places as well as the community building functions that are on the site mm-hmm. um, as it is. So why did you decide to build out the ability to broadcast live from Crowdcast to Facebook, to YouTube, to these other live broadcasting platforms instead of just making everybody stay on your site where they maybe will make you more money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's It's... It's really around um, the fact that there's a really blurry line between audience building and monetization, right? You might be, it's, mm-hmm. people are kind of doing a mix of both. And right now, as you know, that one of the best things to do if you're going to be seriously building a business for the long term is to own your relationship with your audience, right? 
and social media platforms like Facebook and YouTube, they're driven by ads, right? And so because because of their their um, sort of the way that they make money, the revenue model, they're incentivized to do what they can to sort of almost exploit privacy and views of the creator to make money, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, the creator doesn't own the email or, or you know, even even own the following relationship, right? Um, so algorithms do. So if you go live on Facebook and YouTube, they'll alg- their algorithms will determine, you know, who's going to actually see that in their newsfeed. So, you know, we recognize that, hey, you want to still get exposure. Those platforms are great for exposure because that's where the entertainment world is, right? People are just like looking for different things. But at the end of the day, you still want to own that audience. So, you know, we don't want to like, force you to be on Crowdcast. We want you to still be able to reach your audiences on those platforms, but say, hey, if you're watching this on Facebook, if you're watching this on YouTube or Twitch, that's awesome. Come over to Crowdcast where we can actually pull you up on screen, where we can actually chat with everybody else and ask questions and answer our polls here. And in the process, you can start taking that audience that you have no ownership of at the end of the day and no portability, right? And bringing them on a Crowdcast where you can collect their email, collect their phone number, you know, and 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 actually have a direct relationship with them, which which you know is just a better decision for the long term. So that so that's why we we play nice with those platforms because we don't see ourselves as direct competitors with them, right? Um, we see that hey, th- those are great for. Audio, like discoverability features and 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 finding a new audience, but you still have to at some point, you know, own your relationship with that audience. So that's that we have that feature. Yeah, and it's worked so well for us to be able to broadcast live directly to Facebook. You know, not having to add, add an extra you know video appearance into my calendar or mm. find time to do like a or cre- even create the content to do a whole nother thing. I can get it all done in one shot. And we've had a really great uh, response rate of moving people from Facebook into Crowdcast. Cool. I was going to ask well. about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. W- what have you seen there in, the, in that conversion? Um, you know, I don't know that I can give you numbers off the top of my head because it's been a while since I did it. And I think um, this mm-hmm. week I was planning some more Facebook lives and I was going to use Crowdcast for them. So maybe I'll follow up with you on that yeah. um, about what we've seen. But I know um, in the past we had a, just uh, it was a surprising rate to me of people moving from Facebook into Crowdcast. And we did a couple of different things to incentivize that. Certainly there was just the incentive of, hey, you can chat along and you can ask questions. And I think that was a huge incentive on its own. Um, But we also experimented with like offering a worksheet that was only available over at Crowdcast. So we'd use the CTA button at Crowdcast to, you know, pop that web, uh, that worksheet up. And then we'd say, hey, if you're watching on Facebook, come over to Crowdcast, download this worksheet, and then you can really follow along. And in the process, then capture people's uh, contact information. And so that was pretty successful Mm. as well. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you caught my conversation with Gina from uh, creator uh, from Mighty Networks last week on, on CreatorCast, who I think you might have introduced me to, actually. <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> That's quite <possible>. introduction. <laughs> um, but she was saying that, yeah, ultimately, Facebook's never going to, um, there's not going to be like a big Facebook killer. That's not her belief. It's more just that right. people will slowly move parts of what they were using Facebook for onto different places. And their niche communities will maybe move to this or that, depending on what they're interested in. And ultimately, we just want to focus on that live piece because we recognize that's just such a hard thing to do that, you know, most of the community management platforms or building platforms don't have that built in. And, and, and this is something that we're really excited about and, and passionate about. And we're very technical and geeky and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. So, so, yeah, because of that, we have noticed a lot of folks from social media sites will 
prefer the Crowdcast experience over, you know, Facebook, just because we focus purely on that live, that live experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you give any other examples of people who are broadcasting live from Crowdcast into social networks to increase their exposure? Uh, yeah, social Media Examiner is, is, is a really obviously popular show that, that does that. Um, okay. Yeah, who, who are some good examples other than that? Um, Teslanomics, obviously, they, they broadcast mainly to YouTube. Um, yeah, mo- more of the solarpreneur folks. Okay. I would say, yeah, uh, which, which is a long list, but I'm not like there's not anyone that's popping into my head that's like a great one to show. Awesome, perfect. Now that's fine. Um, all right, let's talk about the money making piece because um, I think with Crowdcast, obviously there's the the you know the typical webinar sales funnel money making piece, and I'm sure people can you know you can figure out how to do that if you don't already know how to do that. Mm -hmm. But Crowdcast also has some interesting features built into it that allow you to monetize a little bit more directly. And I'm actually really curious to hear about the Patreon uh, integration as well. Mm -hmm. How are you seeing business owners using Crowdcast to make sales or generate revenue directly? Yeah, I mean, the, the number one will always still be using Crowdcast to direct them to a product or service that they have that is their main, mm-hmm. you know, form of making money. It might be a website, a SaaS product, a, an online course. Um, the second would be to do paid events directly on Crowdcast. So there's a ticket fee on it, and man, people have made a lot of money on it. You know, so yeah. so uh, it, it really ranges from a ticket for an event could be uh, five dollars, twenty dollars, in some cases three hundred dollars. You know, it, it gets it gets pretty pretty big. Um, a, a great example is actually Stream of Consciousness. They they're like a live streaming company that does in person streaming. So there's like maybe like Eckhart Tolle, for example, was was in Toronto and they streamed him through Crowdcast and had a virtual audience. And they they use the ticketing features on Crowdcast. You know, so they make tens of thousands of dollars per event from Crowdcast. Right. So that's that's pretty powerful. Um, now some folks also do. Um, you know the in-event uh, contribution stuff, mm-hmm. but that's near not nearly as popular as as like a, doing a ticketed event. So that's definitely the most popular way of making money directly on the platform right now. All right, cool. Yeah, I was curious about that. Who you know, if anyone was using that, but you're seeing that as not being as as strong as either the direct ticketed sales or uh, kind of the webinar sales funnel. Exactly, and 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 it makes sense because when you think about contributions, they're usually around donations um, mm-hmm. throughout the event, and they're usually more geared towards entertainment as well. If you look at YouTube, they launched the super chat feature. Um, and, and many other more social media based streaming sites, especially in China, actually have a lot of um, ways you can pay. Well, actually, Twitch is a great example to, you know, pay for like five dollars here, you know, two dollars here and just kind of get your ma- messages more featured in the chat throughout the show. But it's really designed for entertainment because you're, you're, you're the host, you're trying to entertain your audience. And if they're interested, they'll they'll tip you, you know. So ah. so it's a little bit different of a use case. And so we haven't focused on that as much on, on Crowdcast. Instead, what we're going to do more uh, in the next wave of ticketing updates is just to go full, like go ham on ticketing. You know, we want to really give you like a referral program within Crowdcast, Ooh. you know, be able to have more tiered pricing with for an event, maybe be able to bundle different sessions at different prices, maybe change the amount of the event cost for the live versus replay. There's so many things we can do in that space that we've had lots of feedback about um, that once we get to that that piece, we're going to really be you know, sort of taking that up to the next level. 
wow, I am pretty excited about all of those things. So (laughs) you just made my day. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that's just like one of the many things that's coming. Cool. Well, I have a question about that here in a minute, too. But before we get there, um, I want to know a little bit more about uh, Crowdcast for Activists. I saw you launch this, I think Mm -hmm. it was last year, um, and was immediately intrigued and thrilled that you would spend uh, kind of time and attention on uh, helping people build movements and do political activism and grow communities around causes. Um, what what made you want to support activists in, in this way through live video? <laughs> the short answer is Trump. <laughs> but but no, no, the, the, the longer answer is really um, that ultimately there's I would say the biggest issue with tech companies and just businesses in general that are bigger, larger businesses is that they don't have a very clear um, stake on either sides of issues and they don't have very clear expression of what they stand for. You know, what are their values? And that leads to serious issues like Facebook, for example, um, obviously led to huge election result manipulation, right? Through lots of mm-hmm. like giant you know, <laughs> uh, data-driven approaches to manipulate, you know, uh, people. Um, and and that happens when the company says, hey, you know, we don't want to take any sides. We don't, you know, we just want to stay completely, we want to be happy. We want to make every single person happy, you know? And I personally just don't believe that's a healthy way of building towards a better future. You know, I think... I'm I'm not on any sort of political side. I don't have any labels on any sort of um, you know like left or right or anything like that. But I do have values around like what I think is is humane and what I think is good for the world. You know, uh, and they're very simple ideas like inclusion. You know, making sure everyone's you know uh, treated fairly. You know, uh, supporting the underprivileged folks. You know, so it, it's a long list of things just to you know uh, sort of encourage uh, a more equal and balanced and fair world. Right. So. Crowdcast for Activism was like, hey, you know, we we basically built a virtual auditorium and broadcasting platform for ideas. And you know, we want to give that platform in, you know, for free to the folks who we really feel are making a big difference, but don't have the support. Um, and because, you know, we're not a nonprofit, you know, we're, we are a business. Uh and we can support nonprofits. And, and, and so we want to build a business that's sustainable while we have initiatives to support other folks who are really doing the good work. And uh, ultimately, one of the big factors that led to that was actually my wife. <laughs> so mm-hmm. my, my now wife uh, was just like, Sai, like, this is, this is like, you, you should, like, this is why you're doing Crowdcast. And she really inspired me to like, kick the ball on that and, and, and get it going. And and the value of that has just been immeasurable. You know, it, it wasn't something that we're like, hey, this is the ROI that we're looking for. Um, right. It was just like, hey, we just believe that this is the right thing to do. And we want to support people like that. So we open up the application. But that led to so many crazy things that I would have never imagined. Like eventually that led to Bernie Sanders streaming on Crowdcast and hosting like a global, you know, call for peace with 8,000 people, you know. And that was a year after we launched that program. So crazy things have been happening just purely by letting people know where we stand as a business that we're not just, you know, we're not trying to make everyone happy, but we really are like are focused on some core values that we think that, you know, we need to be focused on in order to build towards a better future. So that's what that all is oh, about. That is such a valuable takeaway, I think, for everyone. I'm curious, though, how you fit it into 
your business development, your cash flow, your your you know your overall strategy. When okay, some someone awesome like Bernie Sanders comes on and does um, an event, that's a huge drain on your resources, totally, right? Yeah. Like as a as a business owner, I would have to pay a lot to have that many people on a live stream with me. Um, it, how do you kind of work that into your overall business plan? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we just, you know, we recognize that the cost of it, you know, is just, is, is just minor, it's just almost, you know, minimal compared yeah. to the value that we're getting out of it. Um, and so obviously, we can't give, we can't like do that as our main thing, and we'd go, you know, we'd go broke. Um, but I think there's a right balance where we always have some sort of program out there to support these other organizations that we really care deeply about. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what we did was we, we we actually had an application process. So, mm. you know, you would apply to the Crowdcast Activism Program. And in the process, we'd kind of evaluate this. Like, hey, like, where are these people at? Are they are they at a place that if we did support them, that they could actually make change, right? Um, mm. So... Uh, ultimately, what we found was that a lot of people that you know we that we approved, um, because sure that we you know, we were giving them resources in the video space, they still weren't getting enough resources and help in other areas for their organization to be even organizing a crowdcast event, you know. Um, so it was only organizations that really had their you know had their shit together or you know their things together a little bit more than others like like moveon.org for example um, were, the, were one of the big ones that sort of came out of that or the march for the women's march for example was another sort yeah. of user that came out of that so um, yeah the I mean, short answer is you know ultimately it's not something that's really measurable but we do have to really focus on first building a business you know the whole thing around like nourish yourself before you nourish others right so right. we have to really focus on building our own business and and, and getting you know, sustainable before we can be like okay now we want to just like help out all the other folks out there yeah that makes tons of sense all right last question um you told us about some upcoming uh ticketing features is there anything else you can give us a scoop on that's coming coming down the line for crowdcast yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to share too much because all these things, no, know. you know, as you know, um, <laughs> timelines are always shifting and it all depends on how fast we can move and so many variables. But um, the more immediate stuff, I'll, I'll share two things. One is that, you know, we're right now, I feel like we've been very, relatively quiet the last couple of months um, because we've been really like deep in back end stuff, doing some infrastructure updates. Um, and we're developing some really cool stuff that I'm super excited about. That's going to allow ourselves to really level up the live video experience um, in ways that the world has not seen before. <laughs> so I'm like very, very excited about it. Um, so overall, without going into the details of that, like you know, it's going to allow us to do some really cool stuff over live video without any additional plugins. Um, cool. Now the second piece is really a completely different angle, which is that a lot of our users want to find out who else is on Crowdcast. And they want to see what are the other channels on Crowdcast? Who are the other folks, creators on Crowdcast? How can I follow them? How can I discover them? You know, I want to see all the events focused on design. Or I want to see all the other conversations happening about art, you know. So we're, we're thinking very deeply and kind of taking steps towards, um, over the course of like many months, uh, allowing for discoverability and, mm. and allowing for sort of uh, users to beyond just what you're getting right now, a platform to help you connect with your community, but a platform to help you find more community as well. So that's something else. That's like the second big piece that we're working on. 
I love it. Crowdcast just keeps getting better. Sai, thank you so much for this conversation and for joining me today to give us the scoop on Crowdcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and and for showing the world a really great way of using Crowdcast and what's possible with live video. So appreciate seeing your events. Crowdcast is co-commercial's favorite live video solution. We use it for multi-session events, Q&A calls, broadcasting to Facebook, hosting roundtable discussions, and so much more. If you decide to give Crowdcast a try, go to cocommercial.co slash Crowdcast, and you'll help support the work we do here at What Works at no cost to you. That's cocommercial.co slash Crowdcast. This episode of What Works was hosted by me, Tara McMullen. It was produced and edited by Sean McMullen. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. You can find over 150 interviews with small business owners who share the ins and outs of how their businesses work on our podcast feed at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on the inside scoop.